Great. Paul, mate, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited to have you here. Joined today with Louis Pearsons. We're back again in the co-host chair. Good to be back. Appreciate it. Producer Roska, as always, in the producer booth. (laughs) Still haven't got a camera for Roska, so... Uh, he's just going to be the anonymous voice in the yeah, background. If we can Does get to a thousand subscribers, like? uh, Roscoe doesn't exist. Rem- he's a, he's an AI bot. Actually, <laughs> people probably have an image in their mind of what he looks like, and he probably I looks completely different. With Greg James, Pete Snodden's mind. Yes, no, even <laughs> Pete Snodden's face doesn't match his voice. No, it doesn't. And look, I'm not about to offend, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but his face didn't quite match up to his voice. It never does, though. Yeah, that's true. Remember, like, I remember listening to, like, this really alt-rock Christian worship band called Casting Crowns when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. And I thought they were, like, the Linkin Park of the church. <laughs> were the coolest thing. Mate, I, rem- I remember the day. My life's never been the same, where I saw them on YouTube, and I was like, these whack-ass people. <laughs> they looked so lame. I was like, no. It's kind of like whenever you, you listen to Nickelback, and then you see Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, you wrote for all the wrong reasons. You wrote that song. <laughs> like... Paul, Louie and I were chatting before you came in um, about moments that define us, right? So I was chatting to uh, someone on the podcast yesterday. Roscoe was there. We were doing a series with Harp. Mm-hmm. Her name is Bernadette Haggins, and she She's got her leg chopped off. And, like, talk about an opportunity to ask ignorant questions to an amputee. And, like, but she, for her, that was, like, a massive, massive moment. She was about 22. Saying to Louie, like, for me, a lot of my background comes with, like, mental health. So it's, like, suicide survivor family trauma all this sort of stuff and that's kind of shaped me and i would say even driven me into who i am and what i do today one of my big life mottos is be who you needed when you were younger and i love that what about you Lee? what's the final moment for you um i think either and this sounds really silly because it wasn't actually that hard in theory but finishing uni or selling my business selling my first business mate that was a high i remember you in that season that was yeah you know and that, that blood coming out the sweat literally and you know but that for me it was just the only reason it was defining because it was like right can i do this can i yeah. start something you know literally something from nothing and then that nothing be or that something sorry be valuable enough. yeah and i want to start here because like like on paper like this is incredible right so you've worked with tommy fury floyd mayweather you've met the tape brothers the sidemen ksi jake paul you run a massively successful business you've traveled through 38 different countries living in five of them you can do all this mad stuff you're making a lot of money you've built a great team you've got awesome processes on asana <laughs> master scuba diver master scuba diver no, not master Search and rescue, master would be next. Oh, oh, oh sorry. And he's humble. Yo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would have ran with that. But <laughs> I think, like, we've been doing this long enough to know that behind the shine, there is a shadow. Mm-hmm. And so, what are some of the moments that has kind of pushed you on to where you are today? Um, okay, good question. I suppose it's teed up perfectly for the sort of like the core moment in my life. I was on a path already, and I was in a bad accident. Um, I could spare you the gory details, but it wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't looking good. I was in a coma for three days, you know, messed up face, hips, back, like legs broke. Um, and that was one of those ones where you wake up and you're like, shit, we're fragile. Mm-hmm. Life's short, and I really have to do something with my time. So that kind of kicked me up a gear, definitely. Now I'm not saying I don't think. If that hadn't happened, I still believe I would have continued to do the things that I wanted to do and the things I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But I think I definitely got more urgency. What age were you when that happened? Oh, I was 20... 
What? How do I not remember? Four, f- 25. 2015. Mm-hmm. No, no, sorry, that's such a lie. I was 22. Yeah. Gee. Seven years ago? Because you're 29, years ago. aren't you? Yeah. Mad. What are you, 94? Born in 94? Born in 93, so I'm about, I'm about to turn 30. What a so hero. That comes with its flipping I love that. fears as well. I'm 28, 95. What are you? 28, 94. What are you, Roscoe? 2004. Come on! <laughs> my guy in the corner! We were interviewing these two 80-year-old uh, filmmakers on Monday, and like they were like, yeah, we were born in 1944, and all of us in the room just went. We felt like taking our shoes off because we were standing on holy ground. Like, these guys have lived their life. Like, yeah. So you said you were already on the path. Yeah. Well, talk was, to me more. Just go ahead. Well, when I say I was already on the path, like I was already in entrepreneurship. Yeah. You know, they gave you the quick sort of background and some context. Like I was the sweet seller kid at school. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, there was a lot to those guys. But I was, you know, I was quick to realize that the margins and sweets are small. And I don't have the energy drink market tied down, which is where you're at least getting 50p margin. I was doing like Mawams, Wambars, that sort of stuff, so really small margins. So yeah. what I did was I started, you know, whenever the iPod Touch came out? Oh, yeah. I, I, started, love, a, I love a story. Did I, you jailbreak your iPod? No, I, I basically st- downloaded all the music. Right. And people would give me their iPods and I would fill them up full of tunes. Yo. So, you know, 8 gigabyte. <laughs> Eight gigabyte iPod was a fiver, sixteen a tenner. Bro, he had price list. Had a price list, but you, <laughs> that's like that's a hundred percent margins. And then, pretty much everyone in my school was coming to me to get the music. And then the teachers started giving me <laughs> their phones and their iPods. So I was putting like ABBA, Fleetwood Mac, and all their on the devices. teachers. The teachers, the teachers, had us, were, were all part of it. So that's why I started like racking up notes. You know, forget all that change. <laughs> and I think that's like. Everyone has a sweet seller story. That's my version of it. And then after school, uni was never on the cards for me. I went to sixth year to play rugby, um, but I just knew deep down inside that I wasn't going to go through mm. that system. And just I was very I was very pushed towards it. Like my teacher challenged me in front of all my classmates, like, "Why are you not going to uni? You know, I want to do a business. Well, why are you in school? You're wasting your time." Uh, no. I'm in school because I'm doing my A-levels mm-hmm. and I'm playing rugby and I have friends. And whenever she challenged me, I was like, you know, there's something wrong here with this system. And I basically started my, I say like my next chapter, which was the travel. So we can pick apart any of that or I can just get straight into the travel. I'm just going to jump in and say, I know this is how I know I'm dealing with a different breed because I also was a sweet seller. Mm-hmm. And then, but the way my brain went was, do you know what? It's all about donuts. <laughs> I can make an extra eight pound a week if I do donuts. <laughs> Whereas you immediately went to digital product, 100% margin, let's scale it up, let's get those notes in. While I'm like playing with totally, the two pound coins. Totally <laughs> illegal, but we didn't know that then. <laughs> can I also just jump in here, Louis? Can you please move more to your right? Yeah, of course. Oh, thing. mate, you're getting directed here. <laughs> Roscoe wants to be a director. This is how I he's know. getting his experience. I'm so okay with it though. I love it. Humble. Yeah, love he's owning it. it. Yeah. Thank so <laughs> that's an interesting moment with the teacher because those conversations I remember too Miss Watt I'm calling you out like, <laughs> I feel like I'll go I got asked to go back to the school and speak because we've since then we've had four people at Grosvenor and you know a couple of them are on salaries mm-hmm. that are greater than the teachers that taught them Sure. so I would be, like to go back but I just think my message isn't in line with the school mm. you, there's something that I picked up on and it's it's funny like because in all of this 
you know, what PK's talking about now is the exact reason as to why I was attracted. So it was like, you know, is that real recognizing real? Or at least they're just being this like complete alignment between the path you were on that I was on. I think that's what brought us together. But in in hearing you talk about that and all I hear is that natural resistance that most entrepreneurs, if not all, have, and it's innately in them. And like I would dare say, like when you're 18 or 17, sitting talking to this adult about your future, you can't explain why you're like, I disagree with you. Like obviously you don't have the wisdom of an older person. You know, you haven't lived, you don't have that experience. But where do you think that like just sheer resistance came from? Because it's obviously in you somewhere. It's innately in you. It's either come through trauma, come through conditioning. Um, that's definitely something that I want to unbox and figure that out, if yeah. that makes sense. <clears throat> I mean, I always remember that whenever, you know, you blow out your candles <laughs> on a birthday cake or <laughs> like you make a wish, I always wished for some reason for a red Ferrari, <laughs> right? Love like it. even to this day, if I could afford a red Ferrari, I probably wouldn't buy one, I'd yeah. buy something else. But that was like my earliest memories of wanting, let's say wealth, but not really understanding it. Mm -hmm. And then... I, I, that was that was there from a young age. I suppose like my dad is also a big part of this. Like, he was very early to um, like he would be the sort of guy who buys all the books and like making money, and they were kind of floating around the house and like the secret in that. Yeah. And I got into all that really early from when I was like sixteen. Yeah. But um, early adopter. I was an early adopter, but again, I was lucky there. But it's. I also say this, like, okay, those resources are sitting around for everyone now mm -hmm. on the internet, but who's actually taking it and applying mm -hmm. it? Whereas I was like, oh yeah, there's a real opportunity here for me to do like affiliate marketing or yeah. sell shit online and travel. Because as we'll get into with the travel, like my original plan, all I wanted to do in my life was ski all winter and scuba dive all summer. That was it. That was me happy because I was watching you know, all those action sports videos mm -hmm. and that's how I wanted to be. I wanted to do backflips on my skis. I wanted to do live the ski bomb life and go party and do ski shots and then go to a warm country and scuba dive and then have a beer. Like that was my idea of the dream life that I was going to try and build. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously different things happen, but the the concept was still there of freedom. Yeah. I want to do, there's, you can choose anything at all so pick something that you really like. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put all my energy into doing these interesting things rather than going to uni to study something that I'm not too sure I want to do to do a job that I definitely don't want to do just because that's the way it's like set up for you. That's like mm -hmm. the easy, that's the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, cause you are that entrepreneurial by default, I would even say by like genetics. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I kind of, I do believe like we're all born with different personality types you naturally are questioning you're naturally pushing up against stuff it's funny when you were talking about not wanting to go back to school because you feel like your message just wouldn't even sync up with them I, there's an interview I'd love for you to listen to of ours it's about three weeks old he's a guy called John Kelly right he used to be a doctor and then started homeschooling his kid his wife died and he got all into education and he's obsessed with the brain and he's the only person in the world who's ever studied if the brains of entrepreneurs are different to other people Nice. And the answer is yes. 100%. And he talks a lot about left brain, right brain. Yeah. And you, actually all of us in this room are right brained people. Creative like. But the school system and the education system. It's for left brains. It's for left brains. Yep. And so the people that work 
in these left brain institutions also are left brain orientated. And very interestingly, there's a study came out in America recently. This is going to blow your mind. I don't, maybe you already know this. That something like 90% of teachers in America are left leaning politically. So there's just like all this, like this, the whole system is just like left, 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 left. And we need left. You know, there, if it was a world of right brains, it would probably look like Mad Max. So, nothing <laughs> would ever get done. You know, a new project would be started every it would day. Be carnage. And you need like like civil service. That's a left brain organization. Yeah. And NI Water. That's a left brain organization. You need these things to hold society together. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't fit in that system because that system is not made for you. Yeah, that hurts my soul. Even hear that. Like, like imagine, I could never be sat behind a desk doing something that's like pushed towards me to do. Mm. I sit behind the desk every day, but <laughs> it's my desk that I bought on my chair that I chose, yeah. doing a project that I assigned myself. Mm-hmm. But if you're like trying to tell me, like for an example, I have a bit of work to do right now, and it's, it's not a long piece of work, but it's taken me two weeks to even get halfway through it because someone's assigned it to me. It's for like a grant we're trying to get, and I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> it's so like, what's the, is it the? It's like Parkinson's law or whatever. It's like the, the time that you assign is how long it'll take. Exactly. But I had two weeks. It's going to take me yeah. two weeks. Work and, will always fill up the amount of time you give it. And that's just. But if it's a project that I've assigned myself, I'm like on it. I can't even finish it before I start the next one. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. all this shit is class. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. Can I make some guesses, right? Okay. About books you've read, based on what you've said, have you read the Four Hour Work Week? Yes. Right, that's where I first learned about Parkinson's Law. Have you read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill? My favorite book. When did you first read it? I first read was it properly when I was um, actually traveling Australia. That's when I got really in the books because I had so much travel time. Downloaded them all on my iPad mm-hmm. and read it then. And I've read it probably six or seven times. I've listened to it as well. I used to listen to it going to sleep great book if you, but if you this could. is a fun game by the way okay go again see if you get three for three have you had the chimp paradox yeah yo come on Stephen Peter is like three yeah, yeah. love yeah. that real recognises real baby uh, the e-myth yeah revisited yeah, unbelievable yeah, yeah. yeah. brilliant I, he was the first person that ever like whenever he talks about building a business like McDonald's and having everything with the process and system I think I read it the, the week I was reading it, maybe say read that chapter on a Tuesday, I was like, it's a load of nonsense. How on earth can I turn a podcast business into McDonald's? Yeah. And then literally the next day, I remember like almost wetting myself whenever I actually understood what he was saying. Yeah. It's like, you're the doer. Like, okay, we have a creative agency. I used to be the videographer. Mm-hmm. Then we got, a, then I became like the manager of the videographers. Now I'm the entrepreneur guiding the vision and we have managers in place. Yeah. I got a lot of, that's a lot of that came from the E-Myth. That's cool. And then even just to kind of put a pin on all that, like right brain people like you are the ones that go out and mix jobs yeah mm-hmm. so we need you and i'm glad you exist yeah cheers yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad invest and i exist because i'm trying to get them to help us create more jobs yeah, well. yeah. well yeah <laughs> let's see yeah. that's that piece of work that's got to be done like oh is that the grant <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so great so you start traveling why did you want to leave northern ireland uh just from like the videos that I used to watch, the content I used to consume, it was all like skiing, uh, diving, all that, all that stuff I loved. And I just, I didn't think you could do it here. I know you can dive here, but I, I'm what we call a paradise diver. <laughs> has to be like 25 degree water, has to be like 28 degrees outside. When I pop up, 
I have to be within an arm or two's reach of a nice cold beer. That's how I like to scuba dive. <laughs> whereas a lot of people will like put on a dry suit and go to Rathlin Island. You're not going to catch me in Rathlin Island. Like, <laughs> you know? Love that. So travel, and it was just the curiosity of the cultures. Mm-hmm. And it, it also became, so my first stop, as soon as I got out of school, I went to Canada. And again, like I had to reverse it. You, I think you'll see something here. Like I had to reverse engineer things and like leverage opportunities. So what was my goal? I want to ski and I want to scuba dive. Okay, guess what? I just came out of school. I don't have any money. How do I ski when it's so expensive? So I became a ski instructor. So I got paid to ski on a daily basis. And it was just enough money to live and party. And that was it. Six months in Banff in Canada. And that just set the whole ball rolling. Met a bunch of Aussies. I was like, oh, Australia looks fun. I'll go over there. Did a whole year there. You know, Australia basically formed who I was. I did seals, um, threw myself right in the deep end. I ran out of money after 12 days of being in Australia. I didn't actually know it was so expensive. I didn't really have much saved. Yeah, it's like 15 quid for a subway. I remember I someone know, telling me that and I was like, are you for real? It's like two pounds or something. Like, what? Um, <laughs> Could I interrupt here? here again? Yeah. Uh, Louis, can you please move the mic a little bit further down and move more to the side there? Yeah. We, we own that. Background. We're still adding changes to this system. Yeah, that's cool. See Louis? this microphone stand here? It's getting in Paul's camera shot. That's yeah. why we're, that we're right? trying to reserve the spotlight for Paul here. We're still building our systems. Stop interrupting improvement <laughs> come on Louis. this is Louis's first podcast like um, getting, big getting in front of everyone i actually have a, a really inter- interesting question while we're on this topic which topic um, you know the traveling and all oh, that yeah, yeah. you because know, it's such an integral part of who you are and what you're passionate about but you know i and and knowing you and having um listened to some of your stories like one of my funnest stories is picturing you at nine years old with your you know big bulky video camera in the garage but my question is like it's the chicken or the egg kind of question is like what came first like the need and desire and want to go out to do all these this traveling or was it i want to go out and capture these amazing moments as a as a content creator well let's put that label on it but really you know it's you're not a content you're just one to capture these moments is what it is at its essence so like what came first it's the same thing like those come again to my dad always loved having the latest and greatest tech about yeah he had a fat camcorder and those guys like they just used it for okay holidays christmases but i'm it's sitting there every other day of the year so i'm just like well here that looks fun <laughs> i'm grabbing that we're like nine years old we're skateboarding and making little mini skate movies doing all that stuff like recording over our holidays <laughs> and <laughs> living the child recording memories. over the birth video <laughs> I <laughs> this is Paul about to do a kickflip <laughs> fresh out the womb yeah. I see that head I see that <laughs> yo look at this sweet Ollie <laughs> I do have some of those clips because like if I ever make let's say a documentary or something we've got all that do you know what I mean yeah. it's all there it's like me introducing our little skate videos Dude, this guy's like Kanye this guy's Bro. like collecting the archive because he knows he's, it's going to be used uh, like if you've heard, if you've ever heard a nine year old kid from Hollywood saying gnarly well then <laughs> like that's a big thing not from Hollywood but yeah. <laughs> where but are you from where's born and bred Money Ray is where I'm born and bred love it mate and then that's like in the country so you're messing around you're beating up trees and guys yeah. and then you're like right in the city so you can yeah. 
when you get a wee bit older, you can drink yeah. quarter bottles when you're 14 <laughs> or you feel part. But it, right. So there's something really right at a young age that said, I want to go somewhere that's not here. Right. But I love here. So I know what you're, I know what you're yeah, thinking. Yeah. Like, cause that's where my brain goes. I'm like, why would you want to go and leave? And like, because you don't strike me as like this family person, even though I know, you know, you're very close to your family, but like, what was like this? Like, just cause I didn't really have any grandiose ideas of travel until like it became like a thing that like it became viable like I had the money to do it it, it was never something at 18 I was like I need to go to Australia with my friends yeah. not like you I can relate to you because as soon as I finished my level I was straight on a flight and I was gone so I'd never come back and now I'm back and I love here, and I, love here. <laughs> I mean I didn't even have friends that did it before me so I had no one I didn't I wasn't able to follow anyone's path yeah. but I just wanted to do it the closest thing I had to someone doing something like that was my sister went to Magaluf and did a season. <laughs> and I did one too. And yeah. it was great. Yeah. Um, but like, there was so much more. And in that trip, every single thing you do, actually, this just rings a bell. Like, I went to South Africa with rugby. Great. Um, with school. And I saw townships and I saw different cultures. And I was, my eyes were opened. I was like, oh, we have lived sheltered lives. There's mm, something, yeah. there's so much more going on. Even the rugby culture, we were hosted by the, the, the players. Yeah. And around dinner, the the dad was telling us all the stories about the racism, racism, racism that was in yeah. South Africa, and it was terrifying. Mm. But like, it was real for them, mm-hmm. and we had never seen anything like that. Yeah. Where we are, obviously, we had our troubles, but I didn't grow up through that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was true. Time, yeah. It was, I just heard the stories, but now I was seeing it in South Africa, and um, we did a lot around there, like three weeks traveling top to bottom. And you know that definitely set me off. I was like, I need to go somewhere else: Canada, Australia, China, wherever. It's almost like an attraction to the unknown. Yeah. But like, you know, intrinsically, that's a very strange thing to be so comfortable with. You know, you have this like unbelievable ability to deal with uncertainty. Because look at your life: you went to Australia with like just under a thousand pounds. that's you're like sweet. <laughs> That's ignorance. Yeah, and so like, do Pretty you think? Do you think like that? You know, because you're very good at mitigating that risk or like being okay with like, I don't know how this is going to end up, but I know I'll be fine, right? Where does that come from? Where does that stem from? Is it like, is it ignorance or is it I know I'm a legend, so I'll be fine? You know what? I don't is know it? if I'm a legend, but I definitely <laughs> yeah. know that it's everything is hard, no matter what yeah. you do. But it's just like choose your hard. Like, what am I going to be putting my effort and time in? Am I going to be putting my effort and time in to sit in some job in Belfast that you know I just had to get, mm-hmm. or am I going to put my effort and time in in the same time that everyone else has in Australia, grafting for that you know that dollar that I need to live? So I was just like, I'll just it'll be fine. Like I will be able to do it over there. The only thing I'm lacking there that I have here is a little bit of a network, but you mm-hmm. get that very quickly as well. So it's, it's a little bit less safe, but it's t- in my mind, it's the same It's thing. risk. Everything's risk. Yeah. Every direction you turn. Like people come out of school here and end up, you know... Here for 60 years. Trapped or, you know, even in bad positions. So... You can go and study something like engineering and get stuck in a job that you hate, and there's ve- it's very hard to actually maneuver out of that. Yeah. And you've done the safe road that the system told you to do. Yeah, and I said, because I'm also lucky I get to mentor some younger guys, and I do say this, like, if you don't know for sure what you want to do, which you probably don't, go traveling, Hmm. because you'll figure more out about your life. 
you'll understand who you are, you'll get some real challenge, you'll, you know, you'll grow as a person, you'll network. And then I also encourage them, if you are traveling, put yourself into a sales role. So my role, that is especially in Australia, advice. was sales commission only, <laughs> no base, no salary. Money where your mouth is, the baby. Commission? Yeah, yeah. 19 year old little boy, like yeah. out of his depth, but that's what forced me. I knocked all the doors, right? I got all the no's yeah. before I got my yeses. So I had the rejection. So that was never, a I was young enough to take it on the chin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, you know, the difficulty when we did have difficult times and we did like me, Risa, Max, we lived in a car for three days. Who are these people? The guys I travel with. Nice. They were like, and we were fighting over who got the front seat with the, with the, <laughs> with the, with the, with the steering wheel. You didn't want that seat because you had less room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, we were waiting for our commission checks to come through before we could check in the hotel. Literally. You know what I mean? And that car, that was low-key stolen. That was, we had that car on a farm. The farm, this is a really long story, but I'll cut it super short. You've probably heard about the Australian farms. It's like prison camp. Yep. It's really bad. We were picking melons all day in the hot sun, bending over, flicking the wee thing off the watermelon, putting it on a tractor. And the only way we were like staying happy was singing songs. And then they stopped us singing, not allowed to sing. Just walk. And we went, this is enough. Reese especially. Communist China over here. Literally was, literally was. And he goes, this is enough. Said to our supervisor, we're getting the fuck out of here. Everyone's like, yeah, fuck that. We're all getting out of here. And he bought the uh, supervisor's car. He's like, half up front, half when we get the next payment. Yeah, no bother. Went into the hostel, took all the pillows, all the like, blankets, raided the fridge. Three of us piled in and just drove the next city, which ended up being Brisbane. We had no money, so that's where we got stuck for a while. And that's where we did the commission sales. And that's how we got out of that. Because it was like back against the wall, need a commission check. Mm-hmm. I was selling solar then, then a couple other jobs. So. What I like about that is it, it goes in the face of, because a lot of people are here, I'll go traveling when you're young. Like you didn't come for money. Your, your parents weren't paying your way to go and do a, a nice little gap year around the world. Definitely did get a bailout though. Can't say I didn't. Got a bailout again in Australia. Had to get that 500 quid top up because I was going to, I had nothing like, do yeah. you know what I mean? I respect that. But and, yeah. 500 quid is 500 quid. You know? Yeah, there's people who are like, you know, daddy gives them 20 grand to go and find themselves in India. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's a tit line. Sorry. <laughs> I think I accidentally <laughs> just used a tit line. You're obsessed with Bro, you're not far off. Um, Attract- yeah. so. Attraction to the unknown, by the way, is the title of your book. Attraction to the Unknown. Yeah, okay. Nice. Man, I've been looking for a title of my book for ages. That was spicy. What were yes. we going to say, Ross? Uh, could, uh, Paul, could you just move back a little bit, please? Uh, just because you're slightly in the camera frame there for that one. <laughs> I love this, Roscoe. Uh, the just, Iron yeah. Fist. And Speaking of communist move, China. Just move the mic as well a little bit, like down. Can you behave? Better can you behave? Than I yeah, yeah, can you actually like take care of your back while you're at it as well? Sure. <laughs> was there ever a moment in the travels where. What's the best way to describe this? What's it? You realize that going to all these different countries is not going to radically change who you are and you can still have really bad days in Australia. Because I had this mentality, if I leave Northern Ireland, everything in my life Mm -hmm. is going to be better. And then you're sitting in the greatest city in the world, New York, and you're like, man, this is really, really tough. And I realized that actually Northern Ireland wasn't the issue. There's issues in my life I have to deal with. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot of alone time when you travel, a lot of trains, a lot of buses, a lot of planes, and a lot of reflection. And again, I didn't have a smartphone then, no one really did. 
this was 2012, 13, 14, early 15. And I was just using my iPad and the books that I downloaded. And I was just learning a lot about, you know, Wall Street Waddle, Sense Getting Rich, um, Think and Grow Rich, you know, the master key system. This is the shit I was consuming. And I was like, okay, I'm fully able to evolve here. I was just consuming as much of that stuff as I possibly could because I didn't exactly think that these countries like aren't the answer, but I was like, I very well aware that I could do anything if I just, you know, got mm-hmm. all that knowledge. So I wasn't thinking it's, it's Northern Ireland's a problem and getting away from it. It's more like I can learn more stuff and do anything, whether it's Australia, yeah. whether it's go back and build a business in, in Belfast or, you know, backpack down China. Well, it doesn't matter. Do you, do you hear what I mean? It's Absolutely. Like, yeah, for sure. I guess a follow up to that then is like, so let's say that you started this journey in, with a capital J and air quotes around it at 18 when you left school and you were traveling. How many years or like how old were you until you actually started to make money? And what I mean by that is you uh, make a salary. <coughs> I'm just going to pull something out of there. You make 50 grand a year that you could prov- provide for yourself and a family on. Like how many years did it take you to hit that point? Well, like, sorry, I'm going to do a redo of that, right? At what point did the prickly stress heat on the back of your neck about money disappear? I mean, honestly, never disappears because with my business, like, our team gets paid first. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets paid and then I get paid. Mm-hmm. So there's always those stresses. And I don't know, I, I mentioned this briefly before for the first time, but openly, like, I'm not having that conversation with people. It's like, building a business, everyone's just looking at me with their hands, like, like giving me my check every month, giving me my check every month. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's your mortgage, there's your vet bills, you know, there's your yeah. renovation. Okay, what am I gonna take? But I'm not taking much out of that business because I'm reinvesting that back into the business. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we're fine. We're, we're obviously fine. If shit <laughs> hits the fan, I'll pull some dividends and we'll be all right. Yeah. But like, the, the the stresses is definitely still there. I don't feel like we're at a point where we're completely stress-free. I don't think I'll ever be at that point. And maybe that's what keeps us going. Mm-hmm. But I'm never like foot off the gas, relax mode. It's um, a really nice perspective to hear because I, I think that's not a perspective people hear a lot. Yeah, I I was expecting, or like for me, I've heard that an- that question be answered, you know, the very wanky YouTube star mm-hmm. way, if that makes sense. But it's so interesting to hear you, like, because I know, like, how ambitious and driven you are and you want success. But it is refreshing to hear, like, you know, the way that you've set up your company and your business is that, like, the leader will eat last, you know, a true leader anyway. It's like your money could go in your back pocket. That could be, you know, putting stuff into your new flat and all this stuff. But, like getting that ISA topped up bro brother you know you know about what do you know about that pension life but you I mean, know, we're definitely doing that like we're not stupid yeah, 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 yeah. but um, it's it's refreshing because you have this ability to make like kind of early stage fuck you money you do like that's the truth like you have a really successful agency Which just means a lot of money for anyone who doesn't yeah know what um, and so you have this ability you know, opportunity to just start taking and being greedy. And so how do you like keep reeling it in? How do you make it about the work rather than about the end goal, you know? Yeah, I mean, early on, I bought a Rolex, right? Cause I thought I loved that. Did you meet Nico? 
Yeah, I know him. Is that how you bought the Rolex? Yeah, yeah. My first ever copywriting client was Pride and Pinion. Seriously? Yeah. We did, we did a lot, a lot of work with them. Love we have that. a deal going through with them right now, like with Nico. They're doing class. The, a big, cool deal. But again, like that deal is so stressful. Like I was up last night, just sending WhatsApps and yeah. Rebecca's like, relax. Like I was trying to read my book and I couldn't even get a page. I kept picking up my phone <laughs> every time it vibrated. I'm trying to get this thing done. And it's just such a stress, but yeah, like, what even is the question I'm trying to answer here? I'm going to jump in because I also yeah. want a wee bit of free therapy, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. I'm at a point in my <laughs> business, right, where, so I, I'm literally submitting uh, a novel in two weeks' time that I've been working on for years. And by the way, I have your first book still. Do you really? In my house, signed by you. Mad. Yeah. And, you know, I've been working on it for years and I've been running the business and I've been going to uni and doing it as part of a PhD program and all this nonsense. But I'm, I'm a solo entrepreneur. All the money I've made outside of, all the profit that I've made has just been free for me to do whatever I want with it. Now, it hasn't been that much to this date, but it's good. We're growing, we're building. I can provide for my family. I can do something that I love and I'm proud of that. I am now at the crossroads where I want to build a team and I want to bring people on. He's putting his his arms up in the corner. (laughs) And it's really interesting because I'm at that point that you're talking about where it's like, I'm now about to be responsible for people. And that scares me. Yeah. That's the scariest thing. Um, Do well, you want some advice on that? I think I just wanted to air, air how I feel. <laughs> it's okay, <laughs> mate. Yeah, you're can, just can somebody hug me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely, like, you need to build a team. You need to start putting people who are better than you in positions where they can help the business excel so you can take a step back and you can go and bring in those bigger guests mm. and you can go focus on what you do best. Here's the question, right? In the E-Myth, Revisited, great book. It's a book I recommend anyone who's interested in business to who read. Is it Michael Gerber? Michael Gerber, exactly. He was a hilarious hat on the back cover. <laughs> He's a geezer. He talks about there's technicians, so the people who actually do the work, managers, the people who manage the people doing the work, and the entrepreneurs, the people who go and actually you know win business, build vision, lead, blah, 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 blah. You started off as a technician. Yep. So you're shooting video, let's say, and then you jump from a manager where now you've got videographers working under you. And then now you're in that space where actually you're more of an entrepreneur. Talk to me about those transitions. Were they easy for you? Were the hard? What was harder for you to go from a technician to a manager or to go from a manager to an entrepreneur? Talk to me a wee bit about um, the, the transition. Okay, manager to entrepreneur is definitely harder. Right. Um, but going from technician to manager, um, so the way we structured was, I, I should probably give a really, this is a good time for a really bit, a uh, quick bit of context. Bro, so pitch your business. Tell us we, what it is. We did. So I had an events company first mm-hmm. and we were doing all the uni parties, after parties, pre-formals, all that, right? And we're doing really well, always full because we went to a direct niche, found the exact group of people and got them all into one place. And then the, what we did was we shot videos of these parties and they were wild, like really fun. They looked like a great time, pushing them out all over social, Snapchat, Instagram. Do you hear that language? They looked like a great time. (laughs) Marketing. (laughs) And it was, right? So then the bars, the venues were saying, how did you fill a Thursday, right? Mm. Oh, we just made social media videos and plastered everywhere and they all got tickets to the next event. Sweet, can you do that for us? Yeah, no problem. So then I was in the business of slinging videos at 300 quid, so I'm a technician now, right? I got rid of the events company because it didn't like nightlife. So now I'm just slinging videos. And then 
I realize that they don't know how to use the video as mm. part of their strategy. So now I'm offering a little bit more value. I'm like, okay, this is how you do social. Put it like, post this like t 10 times. It doesn't matter if people have seen it before. Some people haven't. Okay, now I need to hit the boost button, right? Before Facebook ads or before I knew about them. And then I realized, okay, there's a skill to learn here in Facebook ads. So I learned that, but what I actually did was got my brother to take that course as well. So now there's two of us, right? I'm shooting, he's doing a bit of editing, and he's helping manage the Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. This is where I started to transition into manager, and I also hired Jack Hanna at the exact same time, or shortly after. This was when like, just as like pre-pandemic kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So then Jack Hanna's doing the videos. Jack Kennedy, my brother, is doing the, let's say, fulfillment. And I'm kind of stepping back and going, okay, those guys are doing that. Where, where's the next opportunity? What's the next business? And that's kind of how I naturally f like became the manager. So that was easy. Um, manager to entrepreneur is harder because you have to build a management team. Right, so you, you effectively are relinquishing mm -hmm. having your hands in the pie. Yeah. See, that's a bit of freaks me out. Uh, that, that's where I'm at personally right now. Really? Jumping from Literally, manager to entrepreneur? Yeah. Interesting. You have to do it slowly, in my opinion, because shit's gonna break, mm -hmm. but like manage what breaks. So this is where your SOPs become so important. And I'm like- Standard operating procedures. Yeah, so what's the first one we built? Okay, this is how we edit a video. This is, I created a very clear SOP for you know Jack Hanna. This is how you go to your job. This is how you take 15 minutes to talk to them before you even open your boot and get your tripod out. There's a 15 minute slot to build rapport. Okay, now we're scouting the area, now we're doing this, now we're doing that. Technical, technical, technical. Then you bring it back, you put it on your hard drive, that is the SOP. You fail to do that, you f you're failing at your job, you know? So what's the... what's the? Yeah, where do we, where do we go wrong? Yeah. And then you build those out across the board and we're still building them, like we're always going to be building those. But then at each piece, like, I, I really don't know what's happening in the office today. I don't know what they're working on. Dude, we're looking at a real entrepreneur. Yeah. I don't know what products have landed. So we do a lot of product shoots. And I don't know even like some of the jobs that are even coming in. That's where we're at. But it's always piece by piece. Mm -hmm. And you just do the first thing so you can free up more time. Then the next one, free up more time. And only recently now if we ha we've had a sales closer. Mm -hmm. So where I was completely focused on sales, business development. We now have a closer and everything is done automation. We have a setter, a closer, and I don't have to close deals. Jack Kennedy onboards them all. The other guys fulfill them all. No, I'm just looking for those bigger opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we're at. Um, so definitely manager to entrepreneur is hard and it takes ages. Like there's no way you're doing that quickly. Yeah. yeah. And then to be a really good entrepreneur from what I've heard <coughs> is your role is literally you know, obviously bringing in those visions, but then guiding the team. It's, it's just leadership, isn't it? Mm -hmm, for sure. I think like for people listening in that business sphere, like that startup life still so raw for all of us actually. And and to add more context to that is see from going from step one to two, that could happen in the space of three years, right? And it's actually like, it's very easy for PK to sit and tell that because he's not able to like give you true context every single day of making mistakes, getting it wrong, showing up, feeling like it's only in having really refined, polished SOPs from the mistakes you made. Um, that's how you got there, if that makes sense. But that I think like the important thing is, is it's time 
and it's being able to recognize as the leader or like you know the initial uh, mind that was kind of creating everything it's the one thing i've noticed is recognizing when it's time to move on and especially if you're early stage or you're like it's maybe your first one or two projects and you have a lot of ownership and sweat equity and investment in it like you're going to struggle to separate because I definitely know I did. I think that's the difference between you and I, PK, and that you're like, no, this is an essential part. Whereas maybe like, maybe, you know, part of my ego, like I, I needed that control and I needed that influence and I needed to know, um, but it was just through my own insecurities. But I think like it's really important to to add context to that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, also, is there a place where I can uh, look up the stuff? Like what you were saying about the whole business thing, is there any place that I can go, like maybe on YouTube, maybe a website and stuff that I can go to learn more about this kind of stuff? Yeah, like all of our socials, Lifelike Media, um, socials on Instagram and YouTube. Like we're posting a lot of content. You know, we're getting some stories here and some people think our stories, like I tell a story and someone goes, that's actually bullshit. <laughs> There's no way that happened. And then I go, well, it's actually fully documented on YouTube. So Love that, man. Kind of, kind of so good I love like that you included in the videographer shoot SOP those 15 minutes to build rapport with the client yeah and this is something that I, I've only like this is why I'm talking to you about this because it's only been the last two months that I've started to work with Roska and other people and outsource some things and blah 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 and it's sitting down to do those operating procedures where you're like oh my goodness there's so much that I do intuitively or yeah. naturally that that I wouldn't even think that it's part of the process but actually mm -hmm. if you don't do those things it can mess up the whole thing yeah, if exactly. you do it more than three times you should record it and do it as an SOP but you want to hear a funny story yeah yeah about that 15 minute rapport so after okay I'll take it back quickly but after my accident and I was getting a lot of dental work done spent a lot of time in a dental chair with this guy, a blue sky, right? So we became kind of close. He really understood what was going on and we were building a lot of rapport in that chair. I ended up then pitching him. <laughs> he actually invited me into his home. I wore a shirt. I put a presentation on his big massive screen and I pitched him about some marketing and we ended up working with him. Fast forward a little bit of time, I ended up working with one of their dentists who was part-time dentist, part-time aesthetics clinic. And then he then grew his aesthetics clinic to be full-time for uh, four different locations from working with us. One of his clients, we were doing a testimonial, was a manager at Bassett's. Right. And again, building rapport with her just on the shoot. She then brought us into Bassett's. Okay, so first of all, the aesthetics clinic has yeah. been with us three and a half years, paying us a retainer every single month, never missed a payment. Bassett's, we used to give the big jobs consistently, consistently. Then they go, why don't we just put you on a retainer? Because we were always going to be able to fill it. Okay, been a retainer since what, 2000, like before I went to Marbella. Yeah. Okay, from that, their MD moved to another country or another company, brought us with them. Do you see what I'm saying here? Absolutely. That's all just from having the, the crack, having the rapport, being an authentic person on shoots, and they want us to do that, you know, with someone else. And this is back to what you're saying about, well, I, th I would even add in, like being from Northern Ireland, you've got a real amazing ability to have a genuine connection with people. For sure. Yeah. That's something that we, that's our superpower, right? Mm -hmm. Northern Ireland isn't known for a lot of things. The island of Ireland, I should even say. Uh, Irish people know how to connect with people. And I think it's like, you know, from a business sense as well, like people, yes, they'll buy your product and yes, they'll maybe see some social proof, but if they, they like you, you're 20 million times more likely yeah, to do. Buy people, right? That's it, people buy into people, 
but the point I'm making is if you don't create the space mm. to ha- to build rapport and to have a conversation, like I think it's a genius move because like I would do the same in, in most of our exec meetings. I'll set it up, 10 minutes shy talk before, and I will literally say, now these are people with like 20 years of game and I'm like, let's have a shy talk. We'll just get up to it the weekend. You know, and I feel a bit rough as toast saying it to them. But, toast. but I know, <laughs> I know what it's doing. I, there's just no point in going into the depths of it. Just like you totally understand what that 15 minutes creates, yeah. makes them more comfortable. They're easier to, to fill them. Like it means that Jack's a bit more, he's okay if he knows how to talk to him, knows him by name. He's okay with being like, move to the right, but, you know, move to the left, stand up, be louder. 100%. And it's all those wee many things over years experience that, you know, you'll just create a, uh, we tiny SOP talk to them for 15 minutes you don't need to tell Jack you know during the last seven years of business all these wee things that you've learned to create that 15 minutes you're just like do it and that's that's just experience as well yeah and I mean a lot of the stuff that we do now is product based so the uh, brand owner will send the product to our studio so we have like no borders so we're dealing with people in Canada down south UK Europe whatever mm-hmm. so it's you almost it's kind of hard to do that but what we have done now is building a visions call we call it so before after you fill in your form this is all SOP'd again they fill in their discovery form at the once they submit it's a it brings them up a link okay now book in your visions call and that goes into Jack and Jack's calendar and they have to have that zoom together to feel each other out feel the product and that's great and then even before that in the sales messaging like in my sales call there's that start where we don't. It doesn't even feel like a sales call. You, we're opening up. How's your day? Yeah, busy. Hot, oh, busy, busy. Feeling, feeling good though. Like, love what we do. Where are you calling from? Oh yeah, that, oh flip. I was down there recently. Blah blah blah. blah. And then it's like, and I go, okay, actually, do you know what? Uh, let me just explain really quickly how this call usually works. And it's it's programmed, but it sounds like, oh yeah, we were just having the chat, but we're actually here for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's pre-programmed, and I, this is the framework, and then I set the full frame for the call. So does that sound fair? Yeah, that sounds like a good uh, sounds like a good call structure. Let's do it, and that's how you see like Absolutely, that's yeah. structure that has mm-hmm. to be like that. Mm-hmm. And now the sales girl, she has that structure. She has to record her calls. They have to go into the Google Drive mm-hmm. once a week. I'm checking every couple of calls. Mm-hmm. So that's like you said, we've built the space mm-hmm. to have those, and whatever comes in that space can be mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. It's fun, but it's like comedians it's pr- though, like comedians will spend seven years refining the joke and part of the delivery is making it seem like they just came up with it on the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like artificially spontaneous looking creativity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I just wanted to call something out and just say that it's your personal rapport with somebody that will get your foot into the door, but it's the quality of your work that means that they're still on retainer three years later. So I also yeah. just want to call that out. It's like, actually, it's because you also have over-delivered on your promise. I, good. I talk about that as well to the <coughs> younger guys and I did a recent podcast like in the agency space. People will put in so much effort to land a client. They'll send thousands of emails and DMs and cold calls to get that client to pay them that first month and then they'll not even <sighs> put in 10% of that effort to fulfill. Yeah. And that's how people are losing in this game. Whereas if you put in then 150% of what you did to get them to deliver, mm-hmm. you're going to keep them and they're going to refer and you can ascend them then, you know? Retention's growth, bro. Yeah, Retention and, th- and ascension. And I think because of the barred entry in your game as well being so low, you I mean, right now you got a, an iPhone an iPhone 13 and a, and a laptop, you can run a, a marketing agency. 100%, and that's it. Everyone, that's our problem. That's <laughs> it. You know, you're having to shine, 
you know, just as bright as all these other guys, um, but like you're actually doing the work. Yeah, and we do mess up as well. That's the thing. People, it's not all shiny. Like we make mistakes, we fuck up. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we fail. But like, who's pretending that everyone's got a hundred percent record? Because the ones that are saying that and throwing their case studies and like, we never lose. Like, that's Balls. that's a problem with the industry as well. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But it's kind of owning those L's and doing yeah. whatever you can for the client to make it, yeah. you know, more palatable. Stories, you lead us. Where do you want to go? Oh, Let's man. do a few stories and then we'll wrap. I love the Pablo Escobar story. Yeah. I think it's interesting. So that, that's the, there's a very PG version of that. <laughs> well, I mean, probably go PG well, and then we'll see what Matt's saying. I like listening to I'll it. I'll be the one who's it. editing this in the end of the day. <laughs> so <laughs> He's young. Be end. careful with his ears. <laughs> no, I'm way joking. No, I'm open to any of this. I'm intrigued. Let's again, go. Yeah. I want to have the full experience. So As long as you're comfortable, we're just, happy. No, I'm, the only thing I'm thinking, right, is I have told this story a few times before, and it is on YouTube. Is this a good space to tell a different story? I can mm -hmm. tell you it's a full one off air. Like, tell us a different story. I, that's different what I mean. Story, yeah. You lead this bit. I'm happy. Oh, my goodness. I feel on the spot. Right, so I mean, let's say here's what we have. Right, we've got Tommy Fury, you've got Floyd, you've got Tate Brothers, you've got Cybin, you've got KSI, you've got Jake Paul. It could be one of the companies you've worked with. Yeah, or um, what's worthwhile based on what we've shared already? I mean, I feel like the Tommy Fury one is is good. It's uh, in terms of a moment and a highlight. Yeah, I think it's pretty uh, pretty special. Because again, like talking about going traveling and like bucket lists, like I was a bucket list guy, but then chasing my dreams and like doing all this work, I've ended up with experiences that I would never have put on my bucket list mm. in my wildest dreams. Cause you're like, that's too far fetched. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas fast forward, just doing one step in front of the other, doing your job, you know, over delivering, building in that rapport, it's put me in this position where I actually ended up working with Tommy. And the story behind it is we were, we were doing the fight, the marketing, the fights, the crossover boxing. And, you know, to get to the Tommy one, which was actually Floyd headlighting, we'd already did four before that, did a good job, got the opportunity to throw our hat in the ring and actually um, promote the Floyd Mayweather fight. So we got that. We were doing their content and we we're doing their ads. And then we got the part of the deal was we got to fly over to Dubai with two of our team and be there for a fight week. And originally, my role was going to be vlogging Floyd, Floyd Mayweather. And I actually took a couple of boxing classes before under the potential like reality that I might get to like do some pads for him or something. I kind of seeing that in my mind. I was like, oh, I'll do some pads, but how do you hold pads? <laughs> so I was like, I, okay, I'm really excited to, to film with Floyd, film with Floyd. First day, Floyd is the most standoff guy. He sits in his car for two hours. You know, he's late. He doesn't want to talk to anyone. You know, okay. I realized there wasn't really that opportunity to get in with Floyd or to speak to Floyd or even, I was just, you know, holding the camera up. But then contrary, it was like, there's Tommy. So put one of our junior guys on Floyd and I shot Tommy. What a move. So Tommy was more open, more receptive in the moments that I had with him, which are few and far between. I was able to just like be authentic and build some rapport and chat to him about his, you know, weight, weight cutting, his training, all that and was then able to do the exact same thing with his manager. His manager had a really nice watch on, quite a rare watch, I knew about it, so I asked him about that. Just these little moments of rapport building 
that then I decided I would just quit, cut them a quick reel outside of like the work route and I cut them a quick reel, sent it over. I was like, here, get this on your TikTok. Oh, we don't have a TikTok. Okay, <laughs> let's get you a TikTok. Here's three Game videos over. now. <laughs> There's three videos, get them on your TikTok, boom. TikTok blows up really quickly. Now they're starting to see our value here. Then what happens is I get a, a message. Do you want to come to Tommy's midnight training in his villa? We're going to do like acclimatization for the fight, which is going to be at midnight. It's like, yeah, perfect. We bit at midnight, right? How do you kill time with the top, go uh, top golf? Had a few beers with the lads, so I was feeling a bit, you know, but we're not sweet. Make my way around to the palm, get into the villa. I'm a wee bit loose, a few beers deep. Music's blaring. Tommy's getting in the zone. The vibes are like ridiculous, you know. Big John Fury's there. Get to meet him. He's a legend. Very welcoming. The security guards all welcoming, and you know they welcome me into this villa. That's their safe space mm -hmm. on fight week, and I'm there, and I'm recording. You know, I'm putting the GoPro on their chest. Like, here's cool angles. Let's try this. Having the crack, you know. Then the training ends. They're all sitting down. He's like trying to come up with songs. You know, what song is gonna be my walkout music? He's like, oh, I really like Rihanna. He's shitting. I was like, oh, I know a class Rihanna track. I was like, he'll play this one. He's like, oh yeah, that's a really good one. We're passing back and forth ideas. I'm just in this space, and that's where I'm like, this energy, these people, where mm. I am, like, I am so blessed for this. I could never have set that as some kind of goal or target. Yeah. Because it's too far fetched, and then. Okay, we're gonna go on, we've got a radio show, 6 a.m. in the morning, will you come with us? Yep, sweet, so then I'm at the radio station, we're on the, with Chris Fade, he's like the biggest radio producer, or radio DJ. We're shooting all that, again, just these little moments of time to build rapport, you know, that continues through the week, then it's fight week. Then after his fight, like I'm down the, down the tunnel with them, into the changing room, Molly May's there, you know, chatting to her, she's fully pregnant, she grabbed my phone, sent a message to my girlfriend, <laughs> Rebecca, and then I just look back at the end at the week. I have a video of me walking out of that stadium being like, can't can't explain mm -hmm. how this is just gone. Like we didn't ask for any of this. But by just doing those wee micro things well and being you know, building that rapport, being authentic, mm -hmm. we've just opened all of these doors. And they ended up sending us a, a signed glove from that week, which we have framed up in the office now. And then, you know, we look back at that and you look at that. You see the jerseys from working with Kean and Foden, you look at those opportunities, you think, right, yeah. we're blessed. Yeah. Let's just keep on this path. Um, and the thing that I, I just think is so impressive is that you yourself, as the business owner, as the entrepreneur, turned down the opportunity to film one of the most successful... Yeah. He's the highest paying boxer in history, isn't he? Yeah. Pound for pound, most successful, yeah. And you... In that moment, like you didn't have two weeks to think about this. You made a call and it was the right call. That's for me is the thing that I think is incredible. Maximizing the opportunity at hand, right. I think, you know, that's the number one thing is is your your experience, your game, you know, understanding right, listen, this might feed my ego standing beside Floyd Mayweather, it might uh, if I get a photo near him, this might be really good. But you knew there and then, right, put one of the juniors on him. They can they can get exactly what I'll be able to get. And then I'll go in down this rabbit hole and just see if um you know, if something can come from come about from it. But, you know, it was it just this one line, right, on our page, Tommy Fury, Floyd Mather, Tate Brothers, Simon, KSI, Jake Paul, all under one campaign. One single campaign. You know, and we were talking about defining moments earlier. 
And for me, like, there's just a surreal energy that, like, I know you, like, you're my friend. <laughs> and you were, you know, getting content for all these guys. Like, how surreal was that? Yeah, it was awesome. The guy from Money Ray? Yeah. Big old Money Ray. Come but on. It, Not Hollywood. It was, like, uh, <laughs> the, it was the same, like, because before we did that, we did Harry Kane. And that was the first real big yeah. name mm -hmm. for work. So I was like, felt that energy. And we, me and Jack, my brother, started joking about it. See, on that week with, um, with all those names, every corner we turned or every hour that passed, the names just kept getting bigger. <laughs> and we're like, where are we? What are we doing? Like, yeah. But we also, we weren't just like, you know, guests in the background. Mm -hmm. Like we were... Leading a big it, part um, of that yeah <laughs> one like i tell this story my one of the days i was in the back of the rolls royce and the guy who was driving it he his, his registration plate is 50 five zero and he had the key to the city like and i was just sitting in the back these two billionaires and i'm just like <laughs> recording <laughs> <laughs> let's see what's going on and that's like i'm just sitting there like sending my family a group chat I was like look where i am what's going on this is a bit surreal and then it's like okay yeah name after name we're like whoa this is too much to take it's mm -hmm. almost like overstimulating yeah like let me get back to bleeding belfast like do you know what i mean yeah. it's great uh i've got a question Roscoe is a, a closing question for you. He's our closer now. He closes these. Do you want to come work for us? We need a closer, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's go. I let's go too, right? Uh, if you take anyone from Northern Ireland, dead or alive, out for a pint, who would you take? Where would you take them, and why? Anyone from Northern Ireland. It's a really good question. I like whenever you hear people say Northern Ireland and it sounds like Northern Ireland Northern, Northern Ireland Northern Ireland I'm going in a lot of different directions here I'm going like on the entrepreneurial side um, make it really about you mate it's like if you go for a, after 9pm you just shut off and you don't want to talk business who's that person or you know, see I don't shut off that's another problem yeah, I want to talk business I know. you know your man Jobbox Jerry I think you spoke, about, you spoke to him as well he seems like a super interesting guy Mate, to speak to crazy charisma he is incredible yeah. crazy we charisma just, we um, just signed a series with them and he's going to co-host class it's, it's interviewing like all the big hospitality legends and I just think Jerry's energy I just think is through the roof yeah. like I love spending time with him and well you now you've up. definitely sold me, so Jobbox Jerry, like, there you, go. you want a pint? It's on me. Great guy. So, Great guy. Uh, Paul, can you just move happen. back a little bit, because you're kind <laughs> of in frame? <laughs> Sorry for interrupting again here. Paul? Paul or Paul. me? Paul. Okay. Yeah, uh, okay, Jobbox Jerry, look, we can, happy to make that connection. I'll be I'll be free whenever your next little meeting is. Yeah, 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 you're just like, the do you want to produce that? I'll give you my <laughs> notion document, you can sit in the producer chair. What's... Got reaction, right? So you're never going to get the, the proper answer to this question, but I just like to see kind of what comes up. What's the kindest thing someone's ever done for you? Oh. I don't know. So probably loads of things, but it's such a hard question maybe, on the spot. Maybe even to reframe it, what's the kindest thing someone's done for you recently? Ooh. I mean, the thing is, we're getting so much help as we move into our apartment from family and friends, like... Yeah. Even the smallest thing, like my neighbor popped over to lend me his screwdriver set. I don't have a toolkit. 
<laughs> and it's like there's so many moments where people have been helping us recently so like how could I even pick one that's more uh, I mean I love the that, screwdriver that outweighs yeah. the others yeah, he the said, and I've still got it because uh, you know I don't have my own tools yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just milking all his tools awesome Roscoe do it mate Head him. Lose it. Head him. So, okay, let's get this. He's been practicing Great. in front of the mirror like Eminem. For <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, just constantly over and over again. That's how I spent my morning. Uh, <laughs> Drinking latte. His affirmations are not like you'd think they are. But, uh, yeah, okay. Hit me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a boxer, so I don't know about that. Um, but, yeah, uh, if you could give advice to an 18 version uh, like an 18 year old or younger version of yourself what kind of advice would you give so like if you're right in front of them you went in it like this whole studio turned into a time machine oh he's killing it he's killing it oh, he's killing it and he's you went this. back in time to your younger self or you were in front of an audience of a bunch of people who don't know what to do properly with their life and they want some kind of advice like what I would like for advice and stuff like that what would you say okay great great question so for if I was set, going into the time machine and speaking to myself I would just be like keep going, trust the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I was speaking to younger people who are unsure of what they want to do, the first key piece of advice is if you don't know what you want to do, go traveling. And don't. there is no excuse for not going. Money isn't an excuse. You just script, you go and get a job. I worked in Scalini serving plates. So you, you get that job, you save, you get, you know, dedicated and then you get a plane ticket, and then you get a sales job, and that will change your whole entire life. Um, I don't think there is one thing more valuable to a young person than that. Um, So that's what I would say. And then this sort of more, let's say, micro detailed to to more specific people would be to start building some skills inside the digital world, because that's where the world is, and that's where you can start making some serious leverage. It doesn't really matter what it is. If, again, speaking to you directly, you know, is it web design, lead generation, logo creation, setting, you know, Facebook ads, the, all of those things don't, don't matter. Just learn one of them. Sell to one kind of person, one avatar, through one channel. So, like, you sell logos to restaurants via Instagram. And that's all you do until, and that will get you to take care a month. Guaranteed. Bro, he no, just literally he just shared the keys to the universe nine, to Roscoe nine, right there. Nine years yeah, worth of game. No. Roscoe's <laughs> got to come in. He's Dude, like, I've lost Roscoe. He's, he's like, going to quit now. He's like, <laughs> Dude, about, you know, I'm going to... He's like, Thompson, your your media strategy sucks. I've <laughs> <laughs> been working with PK now this past oh, seven days. You know what I'm going to do well. now? I'm going to clip this in the editing suite. I'm going to send it to so many of my friends. <laughs> I'm going to clip this and send it. I, was, I thought you were going to say that's going to be your new morning affirmation. It's just that clip. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to watch this clip every single morning. My morning goes with a cold shower, some coffee, some breakfast and just this video playing on loop but do, do it like this but for real okay that's good banter but mm-hmm. okay what's your vehicle best of Belfast what skill do I need to learn that's going to take it to the next level so that's going to be podcast specific so maybe it is digital marketing mm-hmm. you know maybe it is like Spotify arbitrage how can I get this podcast requested in on yeah. that app maybe it's you know whatever the metrics are, maybe I need this much listen. Maybe at the end of every episode, you do this, listen, or at the start, this podcast is free, okay? And we can't guarantee that you're gonna hit like on this, 
but we just trust that you do because if you like consuming our content, if you've listened to just one episode, okay, the payment is hitting like on it or subscribing to our YouTube. And you know, you would say this, like, our podcast isn't free. Unlike all these other ones, ours is not free. It costs- There's a fee. The fee is to subscribe and it's, I can never test, I can never check, we'll never know. So we're just taking your word for it. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to be the one that didn't subscribe? Because everyone else is. We see the numbers. <laughs> Are you the one that didn't pay the fee to listen to the content? Mm-hmm. You know, your and fee then, is your time. You know what I mean? Spending time. Love so that. figure it out and, and yeah. you know, just get real, real micro with it. I Thank you so much. Really, that was some really good information. Yeah, really right good, there. practical, really good. practical advice, yeah. actually. Yeah. Paul, mate, thank you so much. Yeah, Welcome, thanks, thanks for having me. It's, it's a really easy conversation. I wasn't mate, nervous I really enjoyed it. I thought you killed it. I also just you have, uh, I've got an eight gig iPod touch. I'm wondering <laughs> if you would just <laughs> fill it up some. He's like, what's your genre? Like? <laughs> he's like, Fred again, again, what again. What you got? <laughs> he's like, you actually have something for your boys as well. Scan my QR code, my PayPal QR code, and I'll get it done for you, mate. We talked a lot about books there. Right. Have either of you read The Go-Giver? No. Go-Giver, sell more. Gimme. Oh, come gimme, on. Gimme, gimme. Oh, can I, have one? can I have one? Can I have one? Is you, there one of them? Here, you can read this when I'm done with it. Yo. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know he was here, but actually, do you have another one in the car? Actually, do you have another one in the car? Let's go. You definitely <laughs> get one. Let's have go. you read it? I no. Because you see, I was... Simple lesson. Right? Yeah, it's just about giving and giving without, you know... Expecting Expectation, but then also being prepared to receive. Mm. So awesome. the I law of value. There's laws. Oh shit! He, he's a law guy. He I principles and laws. <laughs> mate, that is honestly my. Thank you for being generous your time. Thank you for this book. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Really yeah. appreciate, it, guys. Have a great rest of your day. Bye bye. Peace. PK, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs>